We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. It's hard to find a political campaign in which some candidate, if not all of them, will stress how much he or she does for the children. Governor Rauner's slick video kicking off his re-election campaign declared that he fought for education funding. Mayor Rahm Emanuel talks about education, youth, jobs, and mentoring all the time. But how much of what government does is really helping children, and who's helping them? This week, we'll speak with people who know children and who know politics. Hello, I'm political editor Craig Delamore, and this is At Issue. My guests this week include a longtime children's advocate and a man better known for his political savvy, but who was honored this week for what he's done for children. First, Maria Whalen is president and CEO of Illinois Action for Children. It's an advocacy group that works to support families and communities by improving the lives of children. Ms. Whalen has led that organization for 16 years. I think I've probably known her for all of them. Uh, Bradley Tusk, who is also with us, made his name mostly in the political realm. He was a deputy governor here in Illinois under Rod Blagojevich. He was campaign manager for former New York City Mayor Michael Bloomberg, and he's a venture capitalist and heads a company called Tusk Holdings, which is an umbrella for several other firms. We'll talk about what Mr. Tusk is doing here in a minute, but first, welcome to both of you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Maria Whalen, tell us a little bit about Illinois Action for Children and what it does. Well, Illinois Action for Children, our mission is that we are a catalyst for organizing, supporting, and developing strong families and powerful communities where children matter most. Um, Through both our advocacy work and through our program services, uh, we really do focus on children and families um, who for many reasons, have often been kicked to the curb. Uh, Children and families experiencing extreme poverty, homelessness, domestic violence, sheltered children and and their families, and so on. Uh, And we really try to be a voice um, for those children and families who are far too often voiceless. Uh, And we try to organize from the ground up uh, and create a sense of urgency uh, to advance an agenda that really does support children and families. Well, your uh, group held its annual uh, dinner this week, and you chose to honor Brad Tusk. I admit I don't automatically think of Brad when I think of children's issues, but you do. Yes, and you should. Uh, So Bradley Tusk, when he was deputy governor here in Illinois, worked with um, the uh, key advocacy organizations throughout the state, uh, and we were able to pass landmark legislation that made Illinois the first state in the country to offer a universal pre-K, voluntary pre-K program. Uh, and I think that the reason that we we thought about Brad was that 10 years ago, the first group of young children, four-year-olds and three-year-olds, headed off to their first day of preschool. This fall, those same children headed off to their first day of high school. 
And we think that it's really important to recognize that stuff can get done despite the narrative of government is always bad, government is inefficient, government can't do this. Stuff can get done, and it can have a huge impact on children and families and communities. Bradley Tuska, there is no denying that uh, some good things happened in the Blagojevich administration. I like to think that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> quite, quite a bit, actually. But uh, talk a little bit about how universal preschool came about and how it got passed. Yeah, so, I mean, it, it was really the almost the perfect playbook for how advocates and government can work together to do something important. In the minute that I arrived here, and I was a 29-year-old kid from New York who probably had no business getting the job of deputy governor, but Maria spotted that pretty quickly and said, I got to start educating this kid about <laughs> pre-K. And, you know, I was really interested really quickly and was happy to learn about it. And our team, uh, she mentioned Elliot Regenstein, who was really the champion, mm-hmm. much more so than me. Um, we really became pretty steeped in the issue and figured out how could we pay for it. And John Fallon and a lot of other people worked hard to carve out the money for it and put the legislation together. And it was just a great partnership um, between Maria and all, and Jerry and all her colleagues and us. Um, And then in terms of passing it, uh, you know, I would say that on one hand, we were lucky that we had a Democratic-led General Assembly, and that certainly helped. On the other hand, Illinois always had, mostly, almost always had a Democratic-led General Assembly, and not that things always get done. So, um, we had good participation from a bunch of different sponsors. Uh, Emil Jones was particularly helpful. And I will say that, you know, while Mike Madigan gets a lot of uh, grief from a lot of people, he certainly let this happen. So I'm grateful for that. Um, Maria, people instinctively know that preschool is a good thing. But why do you feel it's necessary, um, maybe even a right? So we feel that it's it's a moral issue. Um, science tells us, and there is absolutely no disputing the scientific evidence that really does demonstrate that young people's brains develop between the ages from birth or actually pre-birth through the first five years of life at an astonishing rate. Um, and we know that what what happens and what stimulates that brain development matters an incredible amount in terms of long-term life and school outcomes for those children. So when you think about um, the, the preschool program in Illinois, we, I think, very wisely, um, in partnership with the governor's office and bipartisan support in the General Assembly, we very wisely made the decision that this was going to target Children from families who were very poor, who were at risk of school failure, who were vulnerable, who were fragile, those children and families would be targeted first and be be given first priority. And that continues to be the case in Illinois. So um, in the last 10 years, almost a million children have benefited from this program. And that's a million children who have a substantially better shot at school and life success. Um, Have the resources been there to do the job as it needs to be done for pre-K? Well, uh, that's a good question. Uh, The program has continued to grow um, over time and throughout all administrations, including Governor Rauner. We've had a significant increase in this last um, budget session. Um, So we have continued to maintain really good bipartisan support. Um, We've continued to grow the program. Does it have everything that um, when we think about endemic poverty, when we think about multi-generational poverty and all of the supports, when we think about trauma and and young children, does it have all that it needs to have for those who most need it to have all that? Probably not. But it's still a work in progress. Ten is not that old. 
<laughs> that is true. Um, Brad, this work on uh, preschool must have been inspiring or something because uh, you've uh, continued to do some what would be considered charitable work. Yeah, no, it, I think it, it taught me a lot. It taught me, one, that you can do meaningful things, like Maria said, in government that really can have a big impact. Um, and second, I think it really focused me on these issues. And so while you mentioned my day job is running a venture capital fund and a holding company, the thing that I do that's interesting is uh, we have a family foundation called Tuss Montgomery Philanthropies. It's run by Sheila Nix, who is also deputy governor of Illinois. And one of our two major issues is hunger. And the thing that we care most about is childhood hunger. And where we think we can have the biggest impact is by running campaigns around the country to increase funding for school breakfast. Um, here in Illinois, uh, we were managed to pass something about two years ago that significantly mm-hmm. increased school breakfast, and Governor Rauner deserves credit for helping us do that. Uh, we passed legislation last session in Pennsylvania. Uh, next year, we'll be looking at New York, New Jersey, Tennessee, possibly Arizona. And so I think learning how to do that, how do you take an idea that's important and build the advocacy, the campaign um, to make it happen? And then, you know, luckily I've done well enough to put the financial resources behind it as well, and it's made a real difference. Um, and uh, just for full disclosure, I will uh, mention that Sheila Nix uh, herself is in the room, uh, and this is like a class reunion for <laughs> for those of us who've been uh, doing this for a while. Uh, but uh, I, I just want to ask both of you who you consider the heroes nowadays when it comes to children's issues. Maria? Um... That's a tough Besides question. Uh, no, that, no, 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 no. I'm not a hero. No, oh, um, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a soldier. Uh, um, you know, that's a tough question. We, the, 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 the environment that we live in in this country, is about polarizing people and about, um, and it's about blame, um, and it's about the, the, the tenor of the conversation is about us and them, and not we. Um, and that environment is is really, I think, deeply troubling in terms of young children and what they need. And we have stories all the time from our programs in in high need communities in the city and, and in Cook County of children who are not getting what they need. And there are not enough champions, to be honest. Um, I think that everyone, as you said at the beginning, everyone agrees that children matter and, and we can all hum things and, and, you know, children matter most and all of that. Um, there's not a lot of activity that demonstrates that. Hmm. Brad Tusk? Yeah, I mean, I would say that there are certainly people, and Maria is unquestionably a hero, so I think it's even really debatable, who, who do really good work, and it's sometimes in government, sometimes outside. So I would say Billy Shore, who runs Share mm-hmm. Our Strength, um, which is a D.C.-based organization that we partner with a lot of school breakfast, in my mind, is a hero. Uh, Joel Klein, who ran New York City schools for almost 10 years, is a hero. Eva Moskowitz, who runs a really remarkable charter school network in New York, is a hero. So there are a lot of really good people doing it. And to me, what's kind of interesting is some of those people are in the public sector, some are in the private sector, some are in the nonprofit sector. And these problems are too big and they're too complicated to say only government can fix this or mm-hmm. only charity can fix this or only the business world can fix it. That's not true. It takes lots of different people working hard together to try to get anything done. Yeah, and we are going to go back to the uh, issues of the political atmosphere and trying to get things done for children in a couple of minutes. But uh, I also want to ask a couple of things about what uh, um, Illinois Action for Children is doing. Uh, another major thrust of, uh, of, you, of your group is has been early learning. Uh, 
what's what's happening on that front right now? Is there anything encouraging happening? Oh, sure. And, you know, I studied exist- existential despair in college, so I, I always go dark. But I, <laughs> I, um, I, so, so I, I think that there are heroes. There are heroes in every community. Uh, there are parents, there are grandparents who are heroes. I think in terms of the work that we're doing, our philosophy is very much from the ground up and part doing with, not doing to. Um, and so, for instance, we have a relatively new Head Start program where we actually wrote the Head Start proposal um, to to test the theory that Head Start could be what I believe it was meant to be 50-some years ago, um, and that is both an anti-poverty strategy and a child development strategy. And so we um, have a Head Start program um, in South Suburban Cook communities where we really work with um, families and children who really are living in deep poverty, um, it, involved in the child welfare system, domestic violence and homeless sheltered, um, in families where no English is spoken in the home, and, and really working both with children to provide them with a wonderful early learning experience, but also working with communities and families to really address some of the underlying issues um, that continue to allow children to be hungry, to be homeless, and to be hopeless. What can you do? with with those problems i mean those are those are very uh weighty problems for for anyone to attack so we have um a lot of wonderful people who work at illinois action for children um who work uh, with families who work in communities who work doing community organizing around children's issues um who case manage um we in north lawndale uh we had a little girl a family the little girl was three years old and had terrible, terrible vision, and the wait to get eyeglasses was going to be 18 months. Unacceptable. Um, And so we figured out how to get her glasses, and we got her eyeglasses, and she's now finishing up her her preschool uh, program, and next year she'll go off to kindergarten um, ready to rock and roll. So it's from soup to nuts. You do systems change. You, you, you change what needs to be changed, and you provide services and upfront supports that families and communities need. Uh, this is a question for both of you, uh, and you can go first, Brett. Are things like this an easy sell in Springfield where state action is necessary? Uh, I mean, yes, so yes and no, right? So, I mean, it's kind of what, when you open the show and you talked about how politicians always are for the children. So, yes, it, it is almost impossible politically for someone to say, no, I don't want to help children. But where the rubber meets the road is, are you going to dedicate the funding to do mm-hmm. it? Um, and that requires choices, right? There's unquestionably always a finite amount of money and either has to come from more taxes or from other programs or someone's sacred cow. And are you willing to incur political risk, upset people, take hard votes in order to free up the money? It's a really easy vote to vote for education, right? That's a simple vote. The hard votes are making sure the money's available and without the money, it's a fairly hollow promise. So, you know, the answer is it's easy in theory. It's hard in reality. Uh, Maria Whalen, you've, you've, have had to fight that fight uh, for all of your tenure uh, with the group. Uh, yeah, I, what's the frustration for it being such an easy sell philosophically? Yeah, you know, uh, I've, I've been doing this work for 40 years, and I, I think I'm getting to the point where I'm going to get really mad uh, because <laughs> uh, uh, it, it is, you can't just talk the talk. You have to walk the walk. Um, and I do think that we are fortunate in Illinois that um, we have, over the years, accumulated a great deal of, um, of, of respect in Springfield. We've educated legislators. We've worked collaboratively and cooperatively with 
all administrations. Um, and so we've continued to be able to 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 build some traction. Um, honestly, what's going to happen at the federal level, which is a significant source of early childhood funding streams here in Illinois, um, is pretty frightening. Uh, but we'll we'll work with our federal partners to try to be a voice for the voiceless as well. You're listening to WBBM News Radio's At Issue. I'm political editor Craig Delamore. We're talking about children's issues and politics, and my guests are Maria Whalen, president of Illinois Action for Children, and Bradley Tusk, a former deputy governor of Illinois and venture capitalist, among many, many other things. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, at a time where every political figure is saying education is their top priority, uh, how do voters make intelligent decisions? Because it is a, it's a campaign staple now that everybody can say they've done something or voted for children. How do you, how do people make a choice with the information that they have, Brad? So to me, again, because everyone will be able to point to some sort of pro-children vote that they took because their legislative leaders are smart enough to make sure they have that for their mailers and for everything else. It's, it's really a question of, are they willing to buck the orthodoxy, right? Um, it is very easy to respond to all the inputs you're given by the people who actually vote in your elections, by the people who fund your campaigns, and do what they tell you to do and stay in office. If you are willing to risk that office and risk making your core voters upset, your base upset, your donors upset, to do something important, then that's how you know. Clearly, that applies to education because education only really works if the funding is provided to do it. Um, but it works in a lot of other areas, too. So if you showed me someone who was willing to vote against their party, against their leadership, because they actually believed in something and thought it was right and they risked their job for it, um, that's what I look for. Uh, Maria Whalen, how often do you find people like that? Um, they're there. They're out there. Um, we have had over the years um, courage shown in, in many ways. Uh, I remember many years ago a Republican uh, state representative from DeKalb um, who um, there was a, an amendatory veto that was happening this time of year in veto session, and his name was Joe Ebison. May he rest in peace. And he said, "I'm take. I'm not voting to support the the cuts that have been proposed for young children." And he turned the tide, and we were able to to override um, Governor Thompson's uh, veto. Uh, so, and there are many other instances that I can recall. That was pretty dramatic, but uh, but there are many other instances that I can recall. I think, though, it's not only about the courage to take a tough vote. It's also about being a voice for some of the underpinning realities that um, that 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 exist in our state. Um, one of them is inequity based on race and class. Um, uh, I had an experience in in one of our South suburban communities where the facility is, is substandard, um, um, and it's just wrong for, for young children to be there. Uh, it's not right, and yet that's the only facility that's available. So you, you do what you have to do. And I was out there, um, and I took a drink of water, and it sprayed in my face. And then that night I went to Evanston, where my grandson was having his science fair. And there I am in this beautiful school where everything is lovely. And it just makes me, it's so wrong that what happens to children happens to them by the accident of their birth. And I think that, that those are the conversations that we have to have if we're ever going to move the needle um, for, for the children who, who need that needle moved. How encouraging was it to see some of those discussions 
taking place even during this, you know, pro prolonged budget stalemate that we had in uh, in Illinois, that it sounded like uh, at least the rank and file state representatives uh, and state senators were actually having some of those conversations. Yeah, I, I think I think that 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 that's a really good point. I think that. The, the budget stalemate, while it was it was very, very bad um, and, you know, we act because, like because we have a budget now that everything is wonderful. Well, I'm sorry if you were a homeless teenager for eight months um, and you don't get over that trauma anytime soon and it, it has collateral damage for the rest of your life. If you were a child in a family watching a parent being beat up and there was no domestic violence services, you don't recover from that trauma quickly. But it's still good that we have a budget. But I do think that one of the byproducts that was very important was that both the, the Senate and the House behaved very, very differently while the, the, the sort of the drama played out between leadership and the administration. Um, Brad, how, what signs do you see that, are, I mean, obviously there are some bad signs too, uh, because we've still got the same dynamics going as we go into this election season, but what positive dynamics are you seeing when you look at Illinois, and I know you're doing it from further away now. Yeah, no, I, I still keep an eye on it. And we, we have an office here and a bunch of people here, so we're, we're pretty engaged in it still. Um, look, I mean, first of all, and the, the fact that you have, in this case, a Republican governor who has put forth some efforts in terms of funding, uh, both his own money and, and state money, uh, for children is a really good sign, right? Uh, clearly, this has been a tumultuous, it almost makes us look good by comparison um, <laughs> uh, last couple of years. But, um, and then I think also the fact that, look, if take a look at Washington, right? It, that is as crazy as I think any of us can imagine. I don't think any of us, if any of us wrote a TV show about it, we would say, we wouldn't, we'd say it's too unrealistic. We can't possibly put this, you know, put our name on this thing. Um, but even in really crazy situations, there's a path to getting things done. Um, you know, Rob Blagojevich had, some strengths, but I think he also had a lot of issues, some mental health issues likely. And yet, despite being in a situation where we had kind of crazy at the top, um, there is still a path, right, where we got preschool done. We got health care for kids done. And by the way, it wasn't all just kids. We got open road tolling done. We were able to close the budget deficit. We were able to do a lot of things because you have dedicated public servants who really care about what they're doing. They're not just all bureaucrats and hacks. And that's a really unfair characterization. Mm -hmm. You have advocates who are passionate about it and are willing to sort of devote their lives to making it happen. Um, and, and if you put those two things together with some funding behind it, you know, great things can really happen. And that's true here in Illinois. I think that could be true in Washington, see it in New York. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot to be scared about right now all over the world, but there's some good things, too. Is, is the sign for, for all of us that while all the noise is happening at the at the upper levels and people are watching that, that there are people down down below uh, working closer to the ground and just quietly trying to g actually getting things done while the attention is focused elsewhere. Uh, I mean, does does that help a, a group like yours, Maria? Sure. I mean, I think that that um, you know, at the end of the day, there there continue to be champions everywhere in state government, in local governments, in elected office. Um, in the general public, in communities. Um, and, and the challenge is, is to have the discipline um, and the fortitude to continue to proceed um, and, and, and work through the noise and work through the, the chaos that it sort of feels like we're living in. But, and now this is for both of you. 
you mentioned this earlier, the atmosphere where everything is combative, that, that co- cooperation and, 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 and bipartisanship is now, that's, that's a bad thing, at least to, to, to some, because you've caved into the other side. How much does that impede the kinds of efforts that are needed. It, it certainly does. I, I have a theory that human nature hasn't changed dramatically. Politicians haven't changed dramatically. What has changed is the technology around it. So when Maria talked about LBJ and Head Start, you know that was an era where you could have discussions, you could have negotiations, you could have compromise, and all of the political blowback didn't happen instantaneously, so there was room to try to move and get things done. Today, you walk into a meeting, by the time you walk out, it's been tweeted about 12 times already. The, whoever doesn't like it has already seen it. They mobilize. They're running ads against you. And it's very hard for people to move and to do all the things that a democracy really requires. So I don't know if it's that the people are necessarily worse. I just think the technology magnifies everything in a way that just makes it much harder to get things done. But look, if you look at the world broadly, um, good things are happening, right? The, globally, child mortality is dramatically lower than it used to be. People, more, far fewer people live in poverty than they used to. You know, every public health indicator shows that the world's in a better place than it's ever been. So it feels scary. It feels tumultuous. I think that's in part because we just see everything, right? Anything happens bad anywhere in the world. We all see it instantaneously. And we're emotional beings, so we feel it. But, you know, that doesn't mean that, that things can't happen. But, but Maria, the, the perception that people have doesn't seem to go along with the reality. Yes, things have gotten better. Yes, there is work going on, but people feel as if government is failing them. They feel as if government can't be trusted. How do you operate in an atmosphere like that and and, and get things done? So, so I think the point about technology is really important. The only thing I would add to it is that we also live in a world where people only read about, uh, about stuff they agree with. Yeah. Um, and so there isn't the ability to really um, read something that's different from what I think um, and think, oh, that's interesting. Maybe I should modify my opinion. People tend to gravitate towards other postings and articles and so forth that represent their worldview or their local view. So I think that 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 is a huge piece of this. Having said that, the way I think to get through it um, and the way that I I think that that we have been able to continue to make progress um, is to find opportunity um, in in this environment um, and to find um, to find um, the the best possible uh, way forward, and and I there there are all sorts of examples of of um, t- seizing opportunities that exist, and then pivoting a little bit or a lot sometimes, um, and getting to where you want to be, but th- uh, by a route that you never imagined you would you would be on. Uh, Brad, uh, we only have a couple of minutes left. Uh, some of your work involves increasing opportunities or making it easier for people to vote. Yes. Um, how how is does that work in an era where people are starting to feel like they don't care about well, voting anymore? Yeah. So I think that's the problem, right? If you look at a typical congressional primary, and because most districts are gerrymandered, so there really is no general election, turnout ten percent, twelve percent, fourteen percent, and as a result. The message sent to the candidate is just keep this small group of people happy, no matter how radical their views, and you won't lose your job, right? And if your goal as a politician is to stay in office for as long as possible, 
all the inputs are effectively wrong because they're skewing all of your views towards a small minority at the expense of the majority. What I have found in some of the work we do in venture capital with companies like Uber or FanDuel, where we've been able to mobilize our own customers to fight against sort of bad regulations from entrenched interests who don't want competition, is if you make it easy, people will advocate, right? So when we make it in the Uber app or the FanDuel app, where you can press here and email your state rep or tweet at them or post something on Facebook, people actually do it. Even the apathetic millennials, they engage. So I think you've got to make it much easier for people to vote. And if 70% of people voted in a primary instead of 12% of people, then by definition, those same politicians would represent the views of those 70% because they want to keep their jobs. So what we're trying to do right now is two things. Um, and, and Sheila's really running this process is one, identify the right technologies to do this. We think that blockchain is really promising and the way to do it securely and safely. Um, and then find jurisdictions who might be interested. So, um, the U.S. military, they've got deployed military around the world. They're interested in a pilot program. There are states that we're optimistic about, like Vermont or West Virginia, where we think there's some potential to work there. So our, our hope is in the next year to have some sort of pilot program and get it going. Quick answer. Where's Illinois fall in that spectrum of You know, <laughs> Illinois is a state where the political status quo is very strong. Uh, and so it's probably not the first one on our list. <laughs> I would like to thank Brad Tusk, business consultant and head of Tusk Holdings, Maria Whalen of Illinois Action for Children. Thank you both for being here. It's good to see you again. Thank uh, you. To, uh, to our listeners, if you would like a copy of this program or just to hear it again, please visit our website. That is cbschicago.com. Just follow the audio links. You can also find our podcast on play.it. I will be back next week with another edition of At Issue, and I hope you'll be listening. Until then. I'm Craig Delamore, News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.